0: Today on Ag News
1: Daily. I'm not a techie type person at all and and I was a little intimidated and and didn't want to start because I didn't think I could handle it. Well, they did not have an owner's manual because things were changing so fast. It was, as as they released it and we started using it,
0: Good afternoon and happy Tuesday from the Ag News Daily Podcast. Well, happy Tech Tuesday on the podcast. Excited to kick things off here. It's Ashton Carr, joined by Delaney Howell. And honestly, Delaney, I had a pretty crazy night last night. I didn't know if I was going to make it today.
2: Yeah, you texted me a little picture of what you were dealing with. You want to tell our listeners about it? Yeah, so we were under a tornado watch
0: for the early evening yesterday in Lubbock and then all of a sudden it turned into a tornado warning and it was a little dark outside it hadn't started raining yet or anything so my roommates and I decided to go into the backyard and um we saw a big old funnel cloud like almost right above our house and so it was a really big funnel cloud it was spinning pretty slowly um and little tornado spouts kind of tried to come out a couple times but nothing touched down so we had to take cover underneath our stairs and so we uh, took the good stuff took our laptops put some shoes on and poured ourselves a couple glasses of wine and just hid out under the stairs for a little bit but luckily nothing touched down we did get a little bit of hail at least here where we're at in Lubbock we didn't see um, you know the golf ball size hail that they saw around town we just saw little itty bitty I don't know like quarter sized hail hail um, but yeah, nothing ever touched down, thankfully. But I was honestly pretty scared. I don't know. You probably didn't think I was scared, Delaney, because I was outside taking photos and sending them to you. I thought you were going to go storm chasing, Ashton. <laughs> I know. I told my parents that I was going to sit out on the on the roof and watch it all happen.
2: <laughs> well, that sounds fun too. I went storm chasing on Saturday. We just drove around and watched the rain. But sometimes it's kind of fun. We decided that that was what. We- we were going to do for the evening instead of like go out to eat or go on a date. We were just going to drive around and chase the thunderstorm around. So, you know, it's okay. It means you're getting old that you enjoy the weather now. I am totally freaked out by Big giant thunderstorms
0: and tornadoes. I can deal with the rain and whatnot, but tornadoes they they scare me real good. So I was not well last night. I think the wine really soothed my nerves, but man, I was uh, pretty nervous that something was going to touch down right above our house.
2: Well, thankfully it didn't. But actually, since we're talking about weather, Ashton, we've talked quite a bit on the podcast about how farmers out in the western portion of the United States are dealing with some really dry areas drought condition areas and I was reading something this morning that was talking about farmers in California and of course a lot of their crops are specialty crops but it sounds like quite a few folks in California especially growers north of San Francisco are unfortunately turning to not planting a crop this year because it is continuing to be so dry and they don't have enough water to grow some of those specialty vegetables and fruits. And so instead, they're just going to leave their fields, uh, leave them dormant this year, not, not touch them. And that's a little disheartening to hear. But, you know, unfortunately, we're now in... My neck of the woods getting probably too much rain, it's gonna rain I think basically for the next week straight, it has rained quite a bit already, but uh, unfortunately we're now seeing some farmers turning to not gonna plant a crop at all. Yeah, I've seen a couple of people, or probably around your neck
0: of the woods. Uh, one guy that I just retweeted on the Ag News Daily Twitter. He's from Northeast Texas, got a bunch of rain, and um, he's having a hard time. It looks like, but I mean, here in in Lubbock, I was talking to one of my buddies who lives a couple miles outside of town. He's getting ready to plant his cotton, and I was asking him about the rain that we're we've been seeing, um, and you know the the future forecast for this week we have a little bit more rain coming asking him if he's excited about it or you know if it's bad news but he has to get all of his cotton crop in the ground by june 5th and so a couple people are not so sure about the rain down here either
2: yeah so it's a quickly becoming an entirely different conversation from drought in some areas now which we're still having to maybe being too wet in other areas so i tell you what the weather is always changing I know, it seems like we uh, just can't get a win here. Nope, nope, unfortunately not. (laughs) But uh, because the weather has been a little more favorable for folks, we saw U.S. corn plantings rise 13 points from last week. We're now 80% of the nation's corn crop is planted and in the ground, and that's 2% ahead of 2020 and 12% of the five-year average. Soybeans, however, are sitting at a 61% completion rate, up 19% from Last week and spring wheat plantings gained another 15 points now sitting at 85% complete down in your neck of the woods Ashton cotton plantings are behind last year's number and about 38% complete as of May 16th. So it sounds like we're chugging along to get this crop in the ground before we do have either some sort of drought problems in certain part of the countries or too much wet weather in other parts. Well, Delaney, it seems like
0: all of my news that I have to share today concerns cattle. And uh, my first story here, we've been talking about um, the DOJ and the investigations going on in the cattle markets. And we actually just talked about South Dakota Republican John Thune. It was, I guess, it was yesterday. Maybe it was last week, but. Thune, along with Dusty Johnson, spearheaded a letter to U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland, urging the DOJ to move forward with its investigation into anti-competitive practices in the meatpacking industry. Thune and Johnson's bicameral letter also requested that the DOJ provide Congress with updates on this investigation and it encouraged ongoing vigilance on this issue. Members of Congress wrote that it is critically important that producers have fair and transparent markets for the commodities that they produce, and they urged the DOJ Antitrust Division to continue vigilance and, where possible, provide updates of findings. NCBA also released a statement saying that they appreciated the effort of the legislators And Vice President of Government Affairs, Ethan Lane, who we've had on the podcast before, said that despite strong consumer demand and reopening across much of the country, cattle producers face significant business challenges. The farmers and ranchers that NCBA represents are contending with high market volatility, drought, extreme input costs, and they can't capture the value they deserve for the high quality product they supply. Lane continued on to say that we have a high supply of cattle at one end of the equation and a high demand for U.S. beef at the other, and in the middle is being absolutely choked by the lack of processing capacity. It's in the best interest of both producers and consumers for the DOJ to get to the bottom of the current market dynamics and assess why they seemingly always result in producers getting the short end of the deal. Cattle producers deserve to know whether or not the price disparity that has plagued our market is the result of anti-competitive or other inappropriate practices in the packing sector. And Lane continued to thank Senator Thune and Congressman Johnson for trying to push even further with the DOJ and hopefully get some results from the Attorney General soon. The nation's four largest meat packers tyson j b s Cargill and National Beef, have been under investigation for almost a year now, and together they control more than eighty percent of the u s beef processing market so honestly it's a it's a pretty big deal, and I definitely think that there needs to be some answers, especially because of the disparities that we have been seeing in the beef market and in cattle market so Just another thing that we're going to have to keep our eye out on. Honestly, I I feel bad for a lot of our cattle and beef producers right now
2: because there is definitely so much going on in that market. Yeah, there certainly is. And we're going to continue to watch cattle prices and how that is impacted. Uh, Good to see that maybe NCBA is saving face a little bit here. I know there was a lot of concern earlier on last year that... Perhaps NCBA was working, or quote-unquote, in bed with Packers, so it sounds like they are trying to work to maybe disprove that rumor, that concern, but I am going to take us back to the international scene here for just a moment, Ashton. I know we've talked a little bit about this on the podcast, but we've now had kind of an official signal that the U.S. and the European Union are going to be in to enter into some trade talks to resolve disputes about steel and aluminum tariffs as those obviously continue to impact the US ag sector the EU is levying about 3.3 billion dollars worth of import taxes on US goods not only steel and aluminum but also products like orange juice cranberries etc and in re- and those are in retaliation for the US section 232 tariffs on steel and aluminum so It appears now that both parties are willing to come to the table and should begin trade talks shortly. They don't really give a timeline as to how quickly we can expect those trade talks to come to fruition, but hopefully sooner rather than later.
0: Well, Delaney, I
2: also have a bit of international
0: news myself coming out of South America. Argentine farm groups are set to halt trading of livestock in protest against a 30 day government ban on beef exports, which was aimed at bringing down domestic prices. The government in Argentina is Peronist. I had to look up what that meant, but it is basically just a government belief or political belief that was based on a past president of Argentina. And it unveiled the, the emergency measure to tamp down high inflation yesterday, putting it on a potential collision course with the farming sector that really drives the country's exports. The country's four main rural associations said in a statement that they would launch a nine-day halt in livestock trading starting on Thursday in protest to this, and they could even take further measures. Now, what these further measures are, I'm not sure of if they will You know, make this protest even longer, or, you know, if they'll take it up even higher, not exactly sure. They're definitely going to be watching that because I think that this is pretty interesting the way that the farming sector and the ag industry really has a relationship with the government down there. And this standoff underscores the fragile balance that this government needs to to strike between supporting farm exports that bring in much-needed foreign currency and bringing down damaging runaway inflation that is set to nearly 50% this year. And as we know, we talked about food inflation earlier this month, and it's not something that we're just seeing here in the U.S. It's a, a global problem right now. And this tension also reflects... More global concerns about rising food prices that have seen other countries move to control exports, including, you know, a top wheat producer, Russia, which has imposed
2: a tax on exports of wheat. I was just going to say, not only that, but Argentina is also going to be limiting exports, Ashton. I don't know if you saw this piece of news, but they are going to be limiting their beef exports. And I was curious because I wasn't really sure if Argentina was that large of a beef producer comparable to the United States and China, but it sounds like they account for about 20, 22% of exports that head to China. So this could potentially give way to increased export uh, business for the United States. Of course, Brazil is also going to be trying to fill that gap as well. But we could see a little bit of discrepancy here in the supply chain as we see them limiting exports. And I, I need to dig a little deeper as to why they're going to limit uh, Argentine beef exports. I don't know the reason behind that right now.
0: Yeah, I am not exactly sure either. I did see that um, they are doing some export caps they're doing some hiking up of taxes but argentina is actually the world's number 5 beef exporter and just last year they exported 897,500 tons of beef which is equivalent to about 2.7 billion dollars and about half of that went to china so honestly i mean compared to you know the us or you know another country that's in that top 4 might not seem like Too much, but I mean, they're still on the playing field. So going to have to look out for this and what that's going to do globally if they're really, you know, drawing back on their exports. I don't know, um, you know, the number which they're capping off exports at, but I mean, sounds like their beef industry
2: is having a pretty tough time right now. Yeah, and I think Dawson's going to step in and co-host for me tomorrow. And I know he's done a little more digging into this. So actually, you have to make sure and ask him about that. But I have just one other quick piece of news here before we head into chat markets. And that is some export sales numbers. You guessed it, China stepping in to buy more U.S. corn. Yesterday, of course, we had that U.S. export sale of 1.7 million tons. Today, the frenzy continued as we exported another or reported an export sale of another 1.36 million tons of corn heading out to China. So now so far in total uh, for this marketing year, I believe we're at something like 7.2 million tons for the 2020-2021 marketing year. And it appears that the country is continuing to buy and that really today supported the corn markets. I don't know about you, Ashton, but I'm ready to take a look and see uh, where markets ended today. Yeah, Delaney, let's do it. Well, as I mentioned, corn was mostly supported today on export news. Soybeans traded mostly lower today in old crop and new crop slightly higher. Then we'll get to livestock markets here in a second. And it sounds like that Argentinian announcement really has supported cattle markets today as well. But. Kicking things off here, first in the July corn contract, up five and three quarter cents to close at 658 and a quarter. The D's up six cents to close at 543 and a quarter. In soybeans today, the July contract down 13.25 cents to close at 15.74 and a quarter. In the November up two and a half cents to close at 13.99 and a half. In the Chicago Wheat Pits, the July contract down a penny and a three quarters to close at 6.98. The September down a half a cent to close just under $7. And in livestock, as I mentioned there, live cattle really supported today by the news that potentially we could see a cap in exports coming out of Argentina. June live cattle up $1.40 today to close at $116.75. The August up $1.30 to close at $119.72.5. Feeder cattle not so lucky today as the August contract shed at $0.82.5 cents to close at 151.92 and a half. The September down $0.70 cents to close at 153.52 and a half. And in lean hogs, some strength today as the June contract added $2 to close at $1,1065. $1, the July up $2.55 to end at $1,1150. $1, and wrapping things up here with our Class 3 Dairy Milk Futures, the June contract down $0.45 cents to end at $1,847. July down 28 to close at $1,914. Ashton, without further ado, let's kick it over to today's conversation talking technology in the beef industry. Well, we are chatting with Bob Noble out of Riceville, Iowa, who is a farmer amongst other things. Bob, I know you're pretty involved in Iowa Cattlemen's Association and some other organizations, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. But we're talking today about your operation to celebrate Beef Month, as well as talk about some technology that you use on your operation. So, Bob, first of all, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Glad to be with you.
2: Bob, let's talk a little bit more about your Farming operation there in Riceville. Tell us a little bit about it and how you got into farming as the industry. Did you grow up around it?
1: Yep, I live live on the farm where I was uh, uh, born and raised and, and went to school. Uh, fourth generation uh, uh, crop farming. Just uh, my my dad had a few cattle, but but the cattle part has kind of come come in my my generation here. So uh, it's it's. Uh, an interest I had when I was in 4-H, FFA, had some purebred cattle and showed and and uh, sold some breeding stock and just always had an interest with that and and uh, followed through. Went to went to college at, at South Dakota State livestock judging team and beef judging team, those kinds of things. Uh, and kind of enjoyed college, maybe more the the or as much the social life as is as the as classroom and the and the major. Uh, work that I took but I uh, liked it enough that I decided to go to grad school and then went went down to uh, Oklahoma State at Stillwater got a got a master's degree there in, in meat science uh, my, my original interest in the live cattle uh, during college kind of veered off to meats and meat science and and so that's that's where I went to grad school in and and, uh, and after grad school went out to uh, Montfort uh of Colorado and Greeley and worked at the packing house there for them for a few years before I came back to start farming uh with my dad and and uh until he retired
2: you have quite an interesting background that is for sure
1: gotta keep moving seems like about every four or five years <laughs> I gotta gotta do something different and whether that's good <laughs> or bad I don't know but I've been feeding cattle for the longest thing of anything I've ever done so
0: well, Bob, you mentioned to me a couple days ago that you had just finished out planting. So congratulations on that. But other than, you know, what you're doing on the farm, like Delaney said, you're pretty involved in the Iowa Cattlemen's Association with this month being beef month. Is there anything that you guys are doing specifically to celebrate?
1: Well, we're, we're, uh, we're doing quite a bit just, just for clarification. And, and this is, this is, uh, uh, something that, that a lot of people maybe don't understand completely, but but the Iowa Cattlemen's Association is is the policy side of of the cattlemen's group in Iowa, like most states. And then there's the the uh Iowa Beef Industry Council and, and the Beef Industry Council is the ones that collect the checkoff and really do most of the promotion. Uh obviously ICA helps with promotion but but the beef industry council allocates the money and and does the the uh spending of the of the checkoff to finance these promotion and uh and certainly yeah there may be months a big month for them but but they're busy all twelve months of the year uh one thing i, I thought was real interesting that that I just read about yesterday was the beef industry council kind of hosted they call it beef 101 and and the the thing in my, in may here is they they invited the, the culinary students from the Iowa Culinary Institute at Des Moines Area Community College to the Iowa State Meat Lab and then they, and for a tour and cutting demonstration and also went out to the Iowa Beef Center, got some, some hands on more p- cattle production. But, but again, I thought the Beef Industry Council spent some money very well on that. Uh, they also, also do, uh, promotions with, with dietitians and even physicians at different times of the year. So they're trying to influence the influencers as they're saying.
2: <laughs> yeah. And that's awesome that you guys are able to do that as an organization and, and work with some folks that maybe don't have as much experience or exposure to the beef industry. So it's awesome that Iowa Cattlemen's Association has been able to do some things like that, especially to celebrate beef month. But obviously in your role, as a beef producer with all of your various background and experiences that you've had, you've had a lot of time to talk to other cattlemen in the industry, as well as use different technology that's benefited you as well as other farmers. And We got to talk a little bit here about performance beef that comes from the Performance Life Analytics system because they have just been explosive. I remember, I don't know how many years ago now it was, maybe three or four years ago. I remember seeing them at the National Cattlemen's Convention and their booth was absolutely packed. There were people waiting in line to talk to them about the technology that they're using. Bob, talk to us a little bit about how you made that decision to start using this technology. What was it that really did it for you?
1: well there there's a couple things in fact uh, the 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 two uh young men at the time kind of mid mid 20s that started it uh lived 15 20 miles away and know, know them both very well and and really good friends with their dad and and so i was i was sure interested going wanted to try it uh simply because of that that personal connection there but but boy those guys did, uh did a just an excellent job putting it together i'm not a techie type person at all and and i was a little intimidated and and didn't want to start because i didn't think i could handle it well they did not have an owner's manual because things were changing so fast it was as they as they released it and we started using it they were making updates all the time and improvements so there was not an owner's manual and it was just kind of flying by the seat of your pants and just just common intuition is how they wrote this program and so uh if if you wanted to change something in the input you just went to the feed division or the the feed tab and and very very simple and easy to easy to follow and and make work and and uh so i remember the first the first day we we started using it uh you know ipad and end loader ipad and feed truck and and uh uh no no paper records did not have a hiccup the first two days uh and I was just just sure it was going to take me all day long to get cattle fed those days so very very easy to use easy to follow at the and the information that it gathers is uh is' kind of mind boggling it goes to the cloud. you can go to your office and and pull to your laptop in your office anything that you've done uh out feeding cattle or animal health wise treating cattle which which tag number got a shot uh that it it just makes all the information records it and makes it available and and really easy to kind of massage and use for management decisions
0: bob i want to talk a little bit more about that you know ease of use on, on the farm because I think a lot of people might be hesitant to use those kind of cloud technologies like Performance Beef just because, you know, they don't understand how the cloud works or they don't understand, you know, how to use the technology itself and they might be a little bit reluctant to, to switch to that kind of program. So how have you really integrated it into your program, your, your farm to help you? What's the, the biggest benefit that you've seen so far?
1: Well, first off, I'm not the guy to explain to you how the cow works. Been using it for 4 years, still don't really have a clue. So, but you don't need to. You don't need to. Uh it's uh, the big the big uh main point about the performance beef is is feed management and uh intake management delivery uh you it records every pound not not what you're trying to put into that feed truck if you're trying to put a thousand pounds of of uh corn into the feed truck it doesn't record a thousand it records a thousand and twenty what you actually put in and and that's the key it 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 uh it records what actually happens not what you try to make happen same way on delivering uh so many pounds of of a ration. To a particular pan of cattle, you uh, it records what you actually delivered to the bunk, not what you tried to deliver to the bunk, and uh, that and, and then that tells you the difference, and uh, that that makes you a lot more accurate, just because before you didn't know the difference between what you were trying to deliver and what actually got put in the bunk. So uh, it, it just shines the light of what really goes on. Compared to what you're trying to do. And then when you've got that, that good data, and like you say, we can do this in the office, uh, at night whenever you want to, uh, because it's available through the cloud, then you can go do some analyzation. Uh, we've since, since we started on, uh, PLA, we've changed ionophores, uh, in our, in our supplements and the the main reason was is we could we could tell without any question what was causing an improvement in performance because we knew for sure how many pounds of feed were getting fed to each of those pens and gain was improved or conversion was improved uh, there's still plenty of variation between cattle and and pens of cattle but with PLA you don't have to question whether your records are accurate or not because there's a they 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 tell the absolute truth whether you want to hear it or not on on what what really gets done we've uh, we've also used the same kind of, of of thing for for changing our implant strategy on different kinds of cattle uh we see that the performance is improved or or decreases depending on treatment and and uh we don't have to worry that that our records are are not telling us what's really going on there
2: and Bob, I know this seems like a silly question, but do you use this technology every day?
1: Twice a day, every day. <laughs> now it's uh, it, no. As you, as you feed, it's it's in your feed truck. It's in your end loader. That it it's a connection between your scale of what what you do, and uh, and then the cloud. So, um, my my dad was his past and he he fed some cattle, but not a lot. And he wouldn't believe it if I told him now it takes. It takes two iPads for me to feed cattle every morning and night uh each each time and and amazingly we've never had uh a crash or a a technical problem where we couldn't get cattle fed on time morning and morning and afternoon both it's uh i I would have bet a lot of money that there was going to be times where, where we were unable to use the PLA system and In four, four and a half years, that's never happened yet.
2: Wow. That's amazing. Well, Bob, I, we just have one
0: more question for you and that being, you know, what other kind of recommendations or advice would you suggest giving to other cattlemen who might be on the fence about using this technology or, you know, anything of the sorts?
1: Well, something that's, that's very timely right now is, is, uh, feed costs. Cost the corn, cost the distillers, uh, and then the resulting cost to gain uh, on on your cattle and feed lot, and, and with with this system, uh, every day after after the feed's recorded, for what was delivered, it it gives you a projection of what the cattle in that pen of cattle or what the cattle in that pen should weigh. How much feed they've had, if they weigh what the projection is, what your cost to gain is, and and right now with with corn going from three three and a half dollars last fall to to six to seven now, it tells you what your cost to gain is, and so from from risk management or decision to sell early or what weight cattle you should buy, depending on what your cost of gain is going to be from a six weight heifer to a nine weight steer. Performance beef can tell you uh through a projection, but it all you also have all the records from the last pen of cattle that you fed and what they actually did convert that from pounds of dry matter per pound of gain, cost to gain, feed cost per pound of gain. It's it, it's just information. And and there's so many charts and graphs that tells you uh, uh, conversion is, is is worse today than it was yesterday than the day before, and then tomorrow it may be better. The, the amount of information is just uh, more more than you use, but when when feed costs are changing like they are now, you make it a priority to go take a look at that feed cost per pound again, see what it's doing, and then make decisions accordingly. So uh, I, I'm not going to say everybody ought to be on PLA, but they better be on something that does the same thing as PLA because it's it, it's information you certainly need now, especially with these uh, high feed cost times we're in.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it's crazy, too, to think about the amount of data that we have available literally at our fingertips, you know, with smartphone or iPad technology. So it's probably changed a lot in your lifetime. And I'm I'm sure we're going to continue to see it change in the industry. So it's good to see companies like uh, Performance Livestock Analytics present technology that allows producers to stay on top of things. Because, yeah, right now, when markets are fired away like this, it's a good time to have all your ducks in a row. That's for sure.
1: Without a doubt.
2: Absolutely. Well, Bob, it's certainly been a pleasure talking you talking with you today, and we certainly wish you the best with uh, the growing season here. And hopefully, Performance Livestock Analytics keeps you on top of your game here as we continue to see these volatile commodity markets right now.
1: Well, it's we need all the help we can we can get. That's for sure. Thanks for your time.
0: Thanks again there to Bob Noble for coming on and talking to us. It's definitely awesome to get to hear about people actually using the technologies that we talk about every week.
2: Absolutely. And Performance Livestock Analytics, I tell you what, really has been one of the fastest growing tech companies for the beef industry. So it's been really cool to see that that story and that transformation as well, Ashton. It absolutely has
0: Delaney. But folks, if you want to hear any of our past or future Tech Tuesday episodes, you can do so at agnewsdaily.com. And if you listen anywhere else, be sure to subscribe so you never miss any of those episodes. And with that Delaney, should we let the people go?
2: Let's let them go.